Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Uh, Well, uh, if you have your Bible or if you have the Bible app, you can turn to Luke chapter 19. If you don't, you can just follow along on the screen. Uh, We're going to read 10 verses, a story of Scripture, in Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, at this point in the sermon, uh, some of you expect me to sing a certain song, and I'm not going to. And some of you are thinking, I don't know what he's talking about. And I'm glad you're here at church this morning. Verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded to him, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Amen. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these minutes and moments that we share. Lord, we ask that uh, through your word, we thank you for, through your word. And we ask that you will give us eyes to see. You will speak to our hearts and minds, Lord, that we will know you more through your word and through your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to lead us. Please receive glory in this place and through our lives and our actions. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Amen. Did you have a good Christmas? We did Christmas at my uh, wife's side, the Fox family, on Christmas Eve. And then we did Christmas at our home on Christmas morning. And uh, I have uh, kids that are nine, uh, seven, uh, five, and one. And so there's a lot of excitement around the Christmas holidays. Uh, the thing that the holidays can do is sometimes the holidays, they can, uh, they can have you lose proportion. In other words, you can become focused on the wrong thing. Have you ever lost proportion? This holiday season, I lost proportion. I wish I could tell a story about my kids losing proportion, uh, but this one's about me. So Christmas morning is great. Uh, the girls were given the instructions. Whenever you wake up, you can go and look at your stockings, but uh, let mom and dad sleep in a little bit. We're not doing the 4.30 again. We're going to sleep in at 7 o'clock if we are not up. At 7 o'clock, you can come and wake us up, and then we will do presents together. So right at 7 sharp, the girls had already opened their stockings, and they came, and we had our Christmas morning together. It was a great Christmas morning, a lot of joy, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. And I had a great Christmas until about noon. Looking forward to the Chiefs game kickoff. Sit down. We're going to watch the Chiefs. And I'm not even going to bring myself to say the name of the other team in the house of God. I can't do it. I refuse to do it. But the Chiefs are playing an opponent in black and silver. And we're watching the game. 
man, this is where I start to lose proportion because I could show you my text messages in the group text and, and the text, but I have, I got it all figured out, guys. This is what Andy Reid needs to do. This is what Sky and Tony and MVS need to do. This is what the receivers need to do. This is what Brett Beach need to do. And if they would just listen to me, we would probably be the one seed, at the very worst, the two seed in the AFC. But they just won't listen to me. Now, the reality is I don't know more about playing wide receiver than the wide receivers. I don't know more about play calling than Andy. I don't know if we should fire Matt Nagy or not. I don't know more about drafting and trades and contracts and and negotiating the salary cap than Brett Veach, but if you looked at my text messages, you would think that I do because I've lost proportion. Can anyone else relate? You lose proportion. Uh, Let me share another example. This one, uh, ashamedly, is pointing the finger at myself as well. So Brecken is about to turn 10 in January. When Brecken was born, she was born a month premature. And so she had to stay at the NICU in St. Luke's on the plaza. Well, after day three of the NICU, uh, this is our first baby. And I have decided that, you know, Brecken is doing well. I mean, yeah, she only weighs four pounds, but I mean, you know, you can make it at four pounds. And we need to, it is time for us to go home and, and be a family together. But the doctor has the audacity to come in the room Say, we need to watch the feedings. We need to make sure that she's getting enough food. We need to check her weight every day. And uh, that's going to be the determining factor of when you're able to go home from the NICU. We're going to monitor her weight. And I just knew this was a scam to keep us there longer, to milk us out of more money because the hospital can't possibly make it if they don't have us there filling this room for the next week. Have you ever lost proportion? Have you ever thought you knew more than the medical professional? (laughs) who spent years of their life right, studying health and medicine? Have you ever thought you know more than the Super Bowl winning coach on the TV? See, it's easy to lose proportion. Maybe you grew up and you heard your parents uh, say this statement. Did your parents ever say to you, the world doesn't revolve around you? This is our proportion statement. That's what they're saying. Proportion is akin to perspective, the way that we view things. David said in Psalm 61, David said to God, lift me up to the rock that is higher than I. David said, well, in my circumstances, in my situation, sometimes I can only see what I see from my vantage point. And I, am, uh, I, I, I succumb to my emotions, the emotions that I'm feeling in the moment. And my circumstances start to weigh me down. And so David says, God, give me eyes to see as you see. Lift me up to a new vista, a new viewpoint, because I want to see things the way that you see him, lift me up to the rock that is higher than I. And that's why an amazing prayer to pray, one that I pray with my kids is, Lord, help us to see the way you see. Lord, help us to see, give me eyes to see the way you see. Give me eyes to see the, the people around me the way that you see them. Guys, uh, Lord, give me, give me eyes to see my circumstances the way that you see them. Because here's the result. Uh, well, let's talk about what proportion is. Proportion is the size or scale of something in relation to the whole. The size or scale of something in relation to the whole. Do you know your proper size and scale in relation to the whole earth, in relation to the whole church, in relation to the whole story that God is writing in humanity? And really what proportion is, it's a perspective uh, statement. And the problem is when things get out of proportion, when we get out of proportion, we start to think that if it is to be, it is up to me. And I am in control. And the only hand you can rely on is the one at the end of your sleeve. And I have to control this. I have to figure this out. I don't need to ask for any help. And we can, the result of this is it's, it's striving, it's stress, it's worry, it's fear, it's anxiety. And God did not make you to carry all of these things. Yet, but because we have the wrong perspective, 
we succumb to our circumstances, the striving kicks in. I got to figure this out. I am in control. If it is to be, it is up to me. And the worry, the fear, the, you start to feel that weight on your shoulders. You start to feel the weight on your back. And you start to think, nobody understands me. Nobody has ever been through this before. I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with these circumstances. You've lost proportion. You've lost proportion. The striving. <clears throat> and we, we start to fall into our circumstances and we become inebriated with the circumstances that we're in and we, we, be, we, we get to this place where if all is well in the world, then I am well. But if all is not well, then I am not well. And some of you think this is just normal because the world says this is normal that your circumstances determine whether or not you are happy or whether or not you are sad. And I have good news for you. God's word says that no matter what your circumstances are, you can find joy in every season. You can give thanks in all circumstances. And so don't, we don't have to fall into this, this rut, this wrong viewpoint of, well, if all is well, I am well. But if all is not well, I am not well. God says, no, there's, there's something better. You can have the perspective, the viewpoint of the divine on your life. The will of God is that you would be led by the Holy Spirit to see, be lifted up to a new perspective. And as we enter a new year, I think that's what God wants to do to our sights, to our heart, to our minds, to our vision for our life. <clears throat> the story in Luke chapter 19, it tells us something interesting. It tells us that Zacchaeus was short, that he was short. Now that's a weird thing to say about someone because nowhere else in the New Testament will you see that the Bible describes the physical stature of a human doesn't do it. It doesn't tell us that Jesus was 5'8". It, if it did, it would ruin it for all of us because he has to be at least 6'1", right? <laughs> it tells us that Zacchaeus is short because it's trying to tell us something. Now, when you read scripture, you don't just read scripture to know a story of something that happened in history. You read scripture to know Jesus more. That's why we read scripture. We don't read scripture to have historical knowledge. We don't read scripture to check off a box or to get a gold star. We read scripture because, God, we want to know you more. God, if you're real, I want to know you more. And as you read scripture, you often see that there is a character that represents God. And in the story, there's a character that represents you. Well, in this story, it's actually really easy to see the character that represents God. It's Jesus. And some of you aren't going to like this. The story, the person in the story that, that represents you is Zacchaeus. Because scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're short. Now, I know that's not what you want to hear at church, but you're short. And in our shortness, we don't want to admit our size. We don't want to admit our scale. And I've been told there's something called short man syndrome. <laughs> where you try to compensate and you start try to control and you think that there are countless people on planet earth that are striving and they're thinking, um, if I could just hit these marks, if I could just uh, get these achievements, these accolades, these accomplishments, then I could finally make it. I would finally receive the approval, the affirmation, the victory, the success that I've been looking for and all would be well. And so many people buy into that lie and nothing could be further from the truth. In our shortness, we try, to, we try to overcome. Inherently, we know that whether or not we follow the Bible, whether or not we have a relationship with Jesus, or we call ourselves a Christian, or if we're not, inherently, there's something inside of us that tells us we're short because it's a spiritual principle you can't get away from. And so many of us in our shortness, there's a striving, trying to measure up, 
And can I tell you that it is exhausting to live this way? And that's why Jesus says there's a better way. At this time in his life, uh, Jesus attracts a crowd everywhere he goes. The text tells us that he's coming up to Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and there's such a large crowd around him, perhaps hundreds of people, that uh, Zacchaeus, you can't even see him. The, the dust is kicking up as the disciples and the onlookers are, 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 are with him as the caravan makes its way uh, into, uh, Jeruz- uh, into Jericho. And um, it also tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, meaning he was smart. He, was, he had become very rich off of his calculations, off of his strategy, off of his smarts. He's quite, quite clever, quite witty, quite savvy. And so many of us, we, uh, we think ourselves quite witty too, quite clever, quite, quite strategic. In fact, we think, well, uh, man, I, I got to find a way to figure this out. I got to compensate. So I can come up with a plan that can gain God's attention. I can come up with a plan to, to gain God's approval. I can figure this out. Just let me think for a minute. Let me calculate. Zacchaeus was part of an oppressive system that oppressed the Jewish people. To the Jews, he would have been an outcast. They would not have shared a meal with him. They would have perhaps spit at the side of him or cursed him. To the Romans, he was a puppet. The Romans, the true political authority of the day, they just used him to pad their own pockets. So to one group of people, he's a puppet and a joke. To another group of people, he's despised and a villain. And there he is in the middle, one of the wealthiest people in the city. Like, I got to keep up. I got to keep earning. I got to keep compensating. I got to keep working. I got to keep achieving. I got to keep striving. And so he comes up with a plan and he climbs the tree, the tree in Jericho. There's a tree in Jericho that's called Zacchaeus's tree. It may or may not be the actual sycamore tree, but tourism. So there it is. And as Jesus is making his way, we see in Luke 19 verse 5, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus thinks he stopped there because of his plan, because of his actions, because of his calculations and his strategy. He thinks he stopped there because he climbed the right tree. Jesus stopped there because it was the divine assignment, because he called him, because he calls you, because he loves you, because he has a plan for your life. And Zacchaeus thinks it's because he climbed the right tree. And he says, quick, come down. Jesus, uh, have you ever noticed as you read the Gospels, you look at the life of Jesus, that Jesus would regularly interrupt his, whatever his plan was for the day to interact with someone. It's almost like he had this plan and he heard from the Father. He was led by the Father to say, hey, I have a divine assignment for you right now. And Jesus said, okay, we're changing the plans because in this moment, there's something more important than my to-do list for the day, my agenda for the day. It's, it's to be present in the moment. This relationship is more important than what I had planned to do today. And so Jesus stops at the tree because it's a design assignment from the Father. And this is a picture of what so many people, uh, how they approach Christianity, how they approach faith. Uh, for so many people, faith and Christianity and religion is, um, well, I need to climb the, the right trees. Uh, that means I need to do the right things. How much Bible am I going to read? Uh, how, how long am I going to pray? Uh, how much am I going to give? What conference am I going to go to? What mission trip am I going to go on? What things am I not going to do? I'm not going to do these things. I'm going to join the Bud Light boycott. I'm going to say no to all of these things. And if I climb this tree, then the angels are going to look down and be like, look at this guy. He's got it figured out. He's five feet off the ground. It's amazing. 
this is what religion and Christianity is for, for some folks. It's the checklist of we need to do this, we need to not do these things, and if you've lost proportion, you've lost proportion, you've lost proportion, which is why Jesus tells Zacchaeus, quick, come down. Quick, he says quick in an exclamation point because Jesus is saying, don't waste one more day striving, trying to achieve something that you cannot achieve on your own. Now, if I told you that God told you that you would need to hurry, you would probably say, that doesn't sound like God. I don't think God is in a hurry. I don't think God is in a rush. I think God wants us to slow down, to take a Sabbath, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace because he sees the beginning from the end and he's an on-time God and he's never in a hurry and he's never in a rush and Jesus didn't ride a horse and Jesus didn't ride a chariot and Jesus didn't run. He walked everywhere he went. So why is it that Jesus says, quick, quick, hurry, come down? Because he doesn't want Zacchaeus to waste one more moment focusing on his actions and what he can do to earn God's favor. Come down from your striving. You've lost proportion. You've lost proportion. God doesn't want you to hurry because the weight is too much. No human was ever meant to carry it. That's why we cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. You were never meant to carry that. Hurry down from your striving. Hurry down from your stressing. Hurry down from the the worry. Hurry down from relying on your own understanding because we, we don't trust in our own understanding. We trust in the Lord and he makes our path straight. Have you ever stopped to consider that God is more interested in how you're doing than what you're doing? See, a lot of you, you're going into the new year and you got the list of this is what I'm gonna do for more in 2024. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run the half marathon. I'm gonna cut down on my screen time. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the, 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 the flour out of my diet. I'm going to take the sugar out of my diet. And you have this list. And I, 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 I hope all of you, I hope your list comes true. I hope you have the self-discipline and the willpower and the strength and the accountability and the partner that all of that on your list happens because that is all great. But Jesus says, if, well, where's, uh, where's time with me? Like, what, what about daily surrender to God? What if at the top of your list you put a daily surrender to God? Because God is far more interested in how you are doing than what you are doing. And see, we think it's about our checklists and the things that we do. We think if we put in these inputs, then we're going to get the right output. And there's there's a formula, there's a passcode, and I just got to get the formula, I got to get the passcode. And then, and Jesus is like, um, it's about relationship. It's not a science, it's it's an art. What did he tell Zacchaeus? Come down because we're, we're going to your house. And Jesus wants to, he just wants to spend time with you. He wants to have dinner. He wants to share drinks. He wants to be with you because it's about relationships and romance and love. It's not about programs and inputs and outputs and, and checklists and keys to success. And so Zacchaeus, and did you notice how there's a huge gap in the, the scripture? In those 10 verses, there's a huge gap between verse seven and verse eight. Verse seven, it tells us that the religious people in the crowd, they looked at Jesus and said, if you go to his house, you're no Messiah of mine. And they missed it. They missed it. And so, can you imagine Zacchaeus coming down from the tree? Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. And how many of you know, when he came down from the tree, he wasn't walking like this. Now he's walking like this. All right, let's go, Jesus. Yeah, hey, we're going to my place. Now you want to come with? Yeah, it's actually Jesus' invite. So we're, we're, we're going back to my place. 
You know, I got the biggest house in town, right? Yeah, we got room for everybody. Come on over. And he calls up his thugs, his cronies, his work associates. and says, hey, yeah, I got, you, got, you got the miracle worker? He's like, yeah, yeah, it was his idea, but yeah, come on over. Scripture doesn't tell us what happened at the dinner. It doesn't tell us the, the conversation. It, does, it doesn't tell us the questions that Jesus asked or the questions that Zacchaeus asked. It doesn't tell us the, the stories that were shared or the dialogue that was shared. And I think that, man, Luke is the detailed writer. Like, isn't, isn't Luke like the calculated one, like the doctor? Like, why don't we have the details? Like, this would be great. Like, can't we have more details of what happened at the dinner? One dinner with Jesus took Zacchaeus from a man who was flawed, who was greedy, who was a nightmare to a repentant, true son of Abraham. And we have no details of what was said or what was shared or what happened. And I think the reason we don't is because if we had the details, we would try to turn it into a formula. We would try to turn it into a program and say, this is it. We've got it. This is how you bring a person to repentance. And Jesus says, it's 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 not about the formula. There's actually not a formula. It's about relationship. It's about love. So in this dinner, Zacchaeus stands up and he, uh, this is what happens in that dinner. In this dinner with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus' success and achievements and the trees that he climbed and those moments of the presence with Jesus, they find their proper perspective. And all of a sudden he has proportion. Isn't it amazing how being in the presence of Jesus, you start to have clarity. But just as important as his successes and his achievements and his money and his wealth, finding proper proportion, his failures and his shortcomings and his flaws and his sin, it also finds the right proportion. See, this is the dirty little secret that we don't talk about at church. Uh, We think that when we celebrate achievements uh, and we celebrate success, inherently we know, man, if, if, if my successes, if my achievements matter that much, then well, that means that my failures, they gotta, they gotta count for a lot too. They gotta, be, they gotta weigh, they gotta, they gotta matter a lot too. And I'm here to tell you what Zacchaeus learned is that neither your successes or your failures and shortcomings matter nearly as much as you think they do. Because Jesus gives clarity and we can lose our proportion thinking we've messed up too much. We do too many of the wrong things. We've failed too far. Or we think, if, if I could just earn it, if I could just get it, if I, I'm on my way, I'm, just, I'm almost there. And in the presence of Jesus and the love of Jesus, we, we have this proportion. When are you going to stop worrying about the shame from your mistake that's holding you back from the person God meant you to be? See, this is what our, word to, our world says this. Our world says that failure is not an option and you're only as good as your last success. Folks, that is exhausting. Can we agree? Can we stop living this way? That failure is not an option and we're only as successful, we're only as good as our last success. We were never meant to carry that. We were never meant to carry that. Jesus brings clarity. He brings clarity to our shortcomings and our failures and our weaknesses and our sin. And he brings clarity to our efforts to succeed and make it and earn enough and be good enough and do enough for him. Have you lost proportion? How much is going to be enough? How much money is going to be enough? How many followers, how many likes are going to be enough? When's it going to be enough? When's it going to satisfy? If that would have worked, it would have worked by now. So 
so at some point in the dinner, Jesus, Zacchaeus gets perspective and he stands up and he's like, uh, I, I'm going to give a toast. And um, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to give half of my money away to the poor. His, his financial planner is calculating over in the corner. Half? Like, do you know how much money that is? You're the richest guy in town. And his friends are like, you literally love money more than anyone that we know. You said you're going to give away half? And he's like, that's, 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 not, that's not enough. That's not enough. Um, um, he says, if I've stolen anything, really, Zacchaeus, if, if you've stolen anything, you've made your living, you've made your life's work off of stealing, off of greed, off of skimming off the top, off of manipulating the numbers. If I've stolen anything, I'm going to give it back four times. And this moment of repentance, Zacchaeus changes 400%. And his financial planner is doing the calculations. He's like, four four times. Like, so we're going into mad debt right now. See, Zacchaeus is not speaking practically. He's speaking emotionally out of, uh, he's fallen in love with Jesus. He's been captured and enamored with the, the d- desire of all nations, Jesus, and he's gotten to his heart. And there, there's, there may have been a religious person in the room. There probably wasn't because they were discussing, but if there would have been a religious person in the room, they would have tapped Zacchaeus on the shoulder, like, you know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It's like, it's just 10%. You don't got to do the 400. Like, t- is enough. And it's like 10%, 10%. Have you met Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Has Jesus like gotten to your heart? But see, religious people, they want you to preach the law. You need to talk about the law. What about the law? And I'm here to tell you that Jesus might just ask you to do more than the law. In fact, there, there's no power in the law. The power is in the love. And Zacchaeus saw that and it brought repentance to his heart and his mind. And he said, all I can think about is, is following him and making it right, the things that I've done wrong. I'm following Jesus. Jesus tells Zacchaeus to hurry and come down from the tree. And he says the same thing to you and me. The trees that we're climbing, the things that we're focused on, the success that we think is so important. Have you lost proportion? Jesus says, no more climbing, no more striving. You weren't meant to carry that burden. Come down from the tree. Come down from the tree and all, do you know where I'm going? Come down from the tree and all climb it for you. And see, this is where good theology starts to wash over you like a waterfall. Because this church is not based on the trees that we climb. It's based on the tree that he climbed. Shortly after this dinner, shortly after this moment, a few miles away, outside the town of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha, Jesus gets on the tree and he's crucified. In those moments where Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason why God in that moment turned away from the son, it's because that it's for you and for me so that our worth, so that our value wouldn't be based on our resume and, and our achievements and our accomplishments on the trees that we climb would be based on him and the perfect life that he lived in the tree that he climbed. Yet how many people today were still living this life where I got to earn it. I got to figure it out. I don't need any help. Just give me a new year and I'm going to get this figured out. I got the plan, all right? I got the steps. I, get, I can do it. And you're gripping <laughs> and you're hanging on and Jesus says, you can come down now. You can let go. You can hurry. You can, you can come down. You say, if I, if I let go, like, well, 
will people really accept me? Will, I, I, I feel like I don't belong at church. If people really knew me, if people really, they, they wouldn't trust me. They wouldn't like me. They wouldn't accept me. I don't, I don't feel like I measure up. I got I to gotta find a way to... Jesus said that it was never about how good you were. That's not how you get in. You can come down now. You can come down now. In fact, he says, hurry, hurry. Did you know there is one more place in the gospels where God is in a hurry? This is amazing. This is gonna blow your mind. It blew my mind. There's one more place. There's a story in Luke chapter 15 where there's a father and there's two sons and the younger son says, hey, I... I've had enough of your leadership. I've had enough of your rules. I want to go out and do life on my own because I want to control my own destiny. I want to be the captain of my own ship. And so his dad gives him the money and he runs off to a faraway land and he squanders his money. He's greedy. He's selfish with all the pleasures, feeding his flesh of all the things he could ever want, living a a, a wild life. And he has that moment where he comes to his senses and he's, maybe I should go back to my father's house. Maybe I should go back. Luke chapter 15, verse 20, this is what the scripture tells us. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. God is looking for you no matter how far away you are, and he was filled with compassion for me. So he did what? He ran. He ran. He ran. Why would you run? You run because you're in a hurry. You run because you're in a hurry. If you're under the sound of my voice and you're thinking, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not moral enough, I don't fit in here, I don't belong here, I'm not a church person, I don't even know what I'm doing here, you need to hurry because God is in a hurry to come towards you. God is in a hurry to forgive your sin. God is in a hurry to give you new new life. He ran. He ran, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, there we see it again. The exact same word that Jesus said to Zacchaeus. He says, quick, bring it out. Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. there's a whole bunch of people that we do life with that are our neighbors, that are our family, that are our coworkers, that are our colleagues. And when they hear you go to church, they think, well, I can't go there. Like, I don't belong at church. Like, think about what I did in college. Think about what I get up to on the weekends. I don't, I, I don't belong there. I mean, thanks for the invite, but yeah, I, I, the place would burn down if I tried to show up at your church. And then every now and then one of them comes in and they sit down in the back, and they put their head down, they tuck their tail between their legs, and they're paralyzed with shame, and they think, I'm, I don't really belong here. And God is hurrying towards them, full of mercy in his eyes and full of compassion. God is running towards them. You need to hurry. You need to hurry. What if we entered a new year with a proper perspective? What if we entered the new year and our focus, our priority wasn't all about the things we're gonna do, the things we're gonna do to improve ourselves, the habits we're gonna build to improve ourselves, the habits we're gonna build, the things we're gonna do for God. What if we started with, God, I'm doing, uh, it's, it's about you. And so that's why I'm starting each morning with daily surrender to you. Like not my will, but your will be done. And yeah, I have hope. And yeah, I got goals and I got hopes and I got dreams, but God, ultimately I want what you want for my life, not what I want for my life. So I'm gonna live open-handed. And so each morning I'm gonna have this daily surrender where I open up my hands and I pray to you, God, and say, God, have your way in me. God, help me to see as you see. 
God, I want proper perspective. I don't want to get caught up in the moment. I don't want to be paralyzed by my past, my shin, my, my shame, my shortcomings, my proclivities. God, I, I don't want to be too, too focused on my success and my achievement, my award and victory. God, help me to see as you see. God, give me perspective. God, I'm surrendering to you. Whatever comes, I'm following you, Jesus. Will you pray with me? Maybe you're here in this moment and you're saying, hey, I, I need to do that. I want that daily surrender. It, it, life has been too hard and too heavy trying to do it on my own. So, and I'm practicing daily surrender. Let today be a stake in the ground that you decide, God, I want to see as you see. God, I look to you first and I practice daily surrender. Lord, let this year be the year, not where we're trying to do more for you, but we're just trying to be with you because it's about romance and relationship and love and you capturing our hearts, not all the things that we got to do. Maybe you're here under the sound of my voice and you know you need to hurry to Jesus. You need to hurry because God is in a hurry to forgive you. God is in a hurry to love you. God is in a hurry to be in a relationship with you. So don't waste one more day. You can make a decision for Jesus today if you will feel What's welling up in your heart right now? It's worship. What's welling up in your heart right now? It's gratitude and it's love for God. And we love back because he first loved us. If you're feeling that on the inside and you want to respond, just say a prayer. Say, Jesus, I I, I want you. Father, forgive me of my sins. Please save me. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you. Renew my mind with your truth so I can love those in my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, everybody said.